I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. We are recording this on Monday, November 14, 2022. I realized I need to add the date because I went back to listen to old episodes and I was like, I don't even know what fucking year this is. Anyway. Oh, good point. November 14, 2022. We're releasing this on the 5th, which means you're hearing this after Thanksgiving, after Giving Tuesday, potentially Colorado Gives Day Eve. Yeah, totally. Extra love to all of our fundraisers out there are listening to this because you're in it. You are in it. That is for sure. Holy moly. Like fast forward a couple weeks and it gets uh, pretty intense. Is that why a bead of sweat just appeared on your forehead? It did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and another gray hair like just plopped in. <laughs> did they plop in? I don't know what they do. Plop. Spring out, spring out. I don't know. <laughs> Somehow it appeared. Uh, yes. Yeah. So Colorado Gives Day, how are you feeling? I'm feeling curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One mm-hmm. of my uh, friends of color <laughs> said that as she is learning to like navigate in white spaces, she uses terms like that a lot. I'm really curious about what that means to you. Mm, Yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fred, please uh, explain this more while I live in curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but I am curious about it. I mean, not only do we have all of the larger fundraising factors in play, the threat of recession, inflation, people just being worried about money. But Colorado Gives Day, the processing fees have gone up. And I've already heard organizations like grappling with, do they even participate? Do they send their donors elsewhere? So we shall see. I know. It's so fascinating, isn't it? As you move through the strategy with your end of year campaign, I know working with a couple of different clients on it around, well, where should we be directing them? Should we be putting the QR code for our Colorado Gives Day page or should we be doing the QR code for our website? And I'm like, well, for these people, you could do it for the Colorado Gives Day. Mm. These people, no, you're not doing it for that. <laughs> I went to an event last night, uh, not for a client of mine, but for a client of a consultant friend of mine and they had QR codes. And I was le- I was asking her afterwards, like, does does this tie in? Like, do they have special coding so they know that this is tied to this event and they can like get all this great data? And she just looked at me like, Nia, what the fuck are you talking about? It is one QR code to rule them all. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Let's talk. They made a comeback. QR code, right? Yeah. I mean, they got like a second life. Remember when people were like, mm, this just isn't a thing. You had to get like a separate app for it just to read them. Yeah, I I was like, mm, I don't know. This just seemed to work. It's taking people away from the moment. They're on their phone. They're doing whatever. And then the pandemic, holy cow. I don't know if, did somebody ever profit off of QR codes? Well, the QR generating companies do because you often have to purchase subscriptions. Well, little did they know that that windfall was coming their way, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... What are we talking about today? We're talking about talking to donors. What? I don't actually want to talk to them. That does appear to be the conundrum. (laughs) So yet again, everyone, this uh, all stems from real life. 
right? And talking to my clients over and over again about how do I, I just want to find like high net worth donors. Where do I find high net worth donors? Well, let's start with your database. Like, do you actually know the donors in your database? 100% no. I don't know if we have really like high capacity donors in your database. You absolutely probably do. For sure do. Just because they only gave you $1,000 doesn't mean that that's all they could give you. But how would you even know if you don't know your donors? Yeah. And I think, okay, I have so many theories about this because you're right. We see this over and over and over again with clients. Like they just, they don't know their donors. They don't know them personally. They feel uncomfortable reaching out to them. Yeah. And this is the perfect case in point. I can't say definitively it's like not reaching out, but client of mine from genuinely five years ago. I have not worked with them since, but their executive director really, really struggled to want to do any donor communication, soliciting or otherwise. It was just like one of those, we build this amazing program everybody should give. And you're like, but if you don't ask them to give, they won't give. Totally. <laughs> and so that that happened. And I remember like going through their donor list, they had some some folks with really significant capacity who are also just really connected in the community. They had the right people there, but refused to to build engage. relationships and engage. And they just announced their closure. <gasps> Are you serious? Yeah. And of course, I just think if it was financial, you had the people there who could fix that. It required just some reach outs, some conversations with these donors to say, here's the situation we're in. Again, I can't like fully diagnose it because I haven't been involved in years, but so sad that an organization closed and one that had the right people around it. Yeah, and I don't know what the roadblock is. I mean, I guess it just goes back to this whole idea of, I don't want to have to ask somebody for money, but that's not even what we're talking about. We're talking about just like getting to know them, having them get to know you, get to know the organization, asking people to go out for coffee. We live in a town that that's kind of a common phrase that, Anybody will go out to coffee. That That's a common request of people, even people who are asked of it a lot. And and people are usually open to doing that. Doesn't mean everyone's going to say yes. No, definitely not. I, I'm not but, open to it. But, <laughs> well, don't ask Nia, but, but anybody else. And pre-pandemic, I don't know. Everybody's like habits have changed since pandemic. But my point is... You can at least ask, you know, you can ask to have a phone call with them or to do a Zoom meeting. People still do those. We're on one right now. Or meet for coffee or go out to lunch or have them come and take a tour. We'd like to invite you to come and take a tour. I would love for you to come to the offices so we can tell you more about what we're doing. And I don't know if they're just so worried that the person's going to say no, Mm -hmm. that they don't want to. And the truth is, is that Sure, the benefit is greater if they say yes and you actually have the meeting, but there's still a benefit to ask even if they say no. 100%. Absolutely. Okay, I want to take us back a century. Oh, here we go. So, like, we we talked about – no, we didn't actually. It was another podcast. (laughs) Wait, what? Are you cheating on me? Are you cheating on me? Oh, my God. That's hilarious. So just thinking back, though, to like how fundraising really got going in the U.S. 
the way that it was like primarily wealthy white women bored at home coming up with like parties and bake sales and things to both keep them busy and oh yeah by the way accidentally happen to be charitable at the same time right so like that that's the priming that we've given donors and continues to this day to be clear we create parties for them we we say like the best way that somebody can engage with our organization is coming to something fun that we have created where they don't necessarily have to even engage with our mission right and so if that's the expectation that we're giving to donors it also means that that's what our staff is busy doing of course they don't have time or energy to reach out to donors and potentially be told no they're too busy planning the next bash right exactly that will actually probably net negative dollars if we were to calculate staff time in a hundred percent so it's like if we stopped creating these fun party environments what could that free up what could that allow us to do what relationships could we then develop i mean i had a phone call somebody asked me a couple of years ago they're like hey i I'm friends with this executive director of this really small nonprofit. Can you talk to her and, I don't know, maybe give her some advice? And, you know, those are always weird anyway. Like, I'm happy to talk to anyone, but if that person didn't ask for it, I don't know if I necessarily want to do that, you know, because they're like, who's this person? Why does she think she knows everything? But I knew who the person was and I said, sure, absolutely. If she wants to talk to me, don't know if I'll be helpful, but at the very least, could be a sounding board, right? Mm -hmm. And that is the number one thing she said is, I, how do I get connected to rich people in the area? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, first of all, just because somebody has money doesn't mean that they're going to give it away. Right. That they're charitable. (laughs) So Mm -mm. now you're like taking that pie, right? That like, or a slice of that pie of people with money out of the population, let's like cut it down more. Not to mention, I, I also want to say, you don't need to be a millionaire to be a charitable person, right? Or to have like an impact with your giving. Mm-hmm. But this is what this person said to me. And I said, well, how many donors do you have? So we talked about that. Okay. Well, has anybody given you $1,000 or more? They're small nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we had, I'm looking at the list right now, and we had five people give us over $1,000 last year during the holidays. One person actually gave us five grand. I was like, wow, that's great. Have you talked to them? (laughs) No. 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 She had not talked to them. She'd never picked up the phone and said, hey, I am the executive director for X organization, and I noticed you gave us a gift last year, and I want to thank you so much for your generosity. Mm-hmm. I would love to invite you to come in and learn more about what we're doing because we just started X, Y, and Z program, and I think you'd be really interested in it. Nothing. Instead, she's searching for that, like, who's the person that can introduce me to rich people? Right. Instead of researching the people that are already have an affinity to her organization or are giving to her organization. Yeah. A hundred percent. I don't get it. I don't get it. I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again just because it's so apropos. I made a, a small gift to an organization in honor of my grandmother. 
I think it was for Christmas last year, maybe her birthday, something like that. And the executive director called me within 48 hours. Again, tiny little nonprofit. I think they had like three staff. And she called me and she was just like genuinely like, oh my gosh, how did you find us? You're in Colorado. We're in Tennessee. Yep. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about what you do and why you care about this. And we had just the most amazing conversation. And now I, all I did was read on their website before that. But now I've got like this voice of who's behind that work and why they're so good at what they're doing. And I, I read their newsletter every month it comes to me. I get excited when they have wins because now as a donor, I feel connected to them. Exactly. And I, I'm not a major donor to them. I hope I'm not a major donor to them. They should be getting lots more money <laughs> from other people. But like it was such a simple thing. And you're right, like at that moment that a gift is made, why aren't we leveraging that? Why aren't we taking that opportunity more to reach out to our donors, to talk to them, to ask why they're engaged, to find out what gets them excited about this work? And even if it doesn't happen, so let's say that's a busy time of year, it's the end of the year, I don't know, something happened, you weren't able to make those fundraising or those thank you calls, like you can make them later. Yeah. You can call them back and say like, hey, we just started doing a fundraising audit and looking at like the trends in our giving and your gift came to the top and I realized that I'd never met you and I really wanted to reach out and find out what inspired you to give to this organization. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to be offended by that. They're going to no. say, oh, wow, thanks. Okay. Mm -hmm. I worked with this client. They were having a big event, their annual fundraising event. And I told them as it was kind of getting closer, you need to start looking at the guest list. <laughs> and you need to see who is it that you really want in the room, right? And have they already purchased their tickets? And if mm -hmm. they haven't, now would be a great time to reach out to them yeah, and personally invite them to come to the event, mm -hmm. right? Try to get them to come. And they said, well, do you think we could buy a mailing list of high wealth people in the area? Oh my God. And do you think it would be worth doing a second run of event invitations to this list? Oh, my God. <laughs> but this is it, right? Like, this happens all the time. All where it's the like, time. We have to go find new people because we won't store the people we already have. Exactly. And you know, everybody knows it is 10 times harder to get a new donor than to retain ones you already have. Yes. So why are you making it so much more difficult? That's why I say, like... Look, I almost don't want to say it because I it's going to put me out of a job. But fundraising isn't that difficult. Mm -mm. You're just not doing it. <laughs> it's true, though. It, I, I heard somebody say, I can't take credit for this, but they said nonprofits have gotten so focused on raising funds that they're not fundraising. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, it's just about getting the dollars in the door. We're going to do it by any means necessary. That means we're going to throw silent auctions in there. We're going to buy fucking mailing lists. We're going to do all this dumb shit instead of developing relationships with the people who have already shown interest and affinity. I know. And so I remember when I was earlier in my career and I was working at these different nonprofits and maybe I was the only development staff or maybe there was two of us. 
and I would learn about major gifts. Well, do you have a, a major donor giving program? And no, we'd be like, no, are you kidding me? We're not that sophisticated. We don't have that time. We don't have that whatever, right? And then you start learning what a major giving program really entails. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't, it doesn't have to be this like big elusive thing or, or something mm -hmm. that takes like a ton of time. Yes, there are like very sophisticated programs out there that, you know, especially at the university level and people who are hired just to do this. But I'm talking about at the very least, run a list of your donors from the last two to three years and look at who's giving consistently and who's giving at increasingly higher levels and just reach out to them. Yeah. Yeah. Like at a, just a basic level, you know? <laughs> yeah. So simple. But I think this is also like the shift from thinking of donors as purely transactional. Right. We develop relationship with donors only to get money. Two, thinking about donors as part of our community and thinking about our community more broadly as well. Like as we, we shift to more community-centered fundraising practices, like our donors are also tapped into the community. They can be out there advocating for us, being ambassadors. They can provide us helpful information back. Like what is going on in these spaces that we're not in? So like if we actually do relationship development with donors right and we truly are being community-centered, just like think about how much more transformative that is. That's where we talk about like fundraisers actually having agency for social good in and of themselves. Right. Totally. Totally. Well, it, I know I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I'll be telling it for my entire career. I was working at this organization many years ago and we had one of those donors who made their first gift, and it was $5,000. And at the organization I was at, a major gift was $1,000 or more. So 5,000 was significant specifically for a first time gift. Oh, for sure. So the executive director called, she called and thanked them for it and had a nice little conversation, blah, 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 blah. Flash forward a couple months, we decided, because I think they made their gift in like November, like around this time of year. She talked to them maybe in December or early January doing thank you calls. And then we had a donor appreciation event in March. Nobody came. <laughs> Nobody came. That's another <laughs> podcast topic. <laughs> Nobody came. Like seriously, I think four donors came, right? Oh, God. <laughs> But yeah, you've got like eight staff there. I was just going to say, but all the staff's there. So we've like taken up the staff time on an evening, you know, during the week. Oh. And we've got the food and all the things <laughs> and like four donors show up. But two of them were a couple and they were the ones that made this $5,000 donation. Now, I guess the silver lining is because there weren't that many people there, we had a lot of time to spend with them. <laughs> So we just chatted them up for like a good yeah. hour, you know, mm -hmm. and they met with the program director, the development director, the executive director. They met with everybody. And as they left, they said, we're going to send another check. So look for it in the mail. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, my gosh, thanks so much. This is great. Blah, blah, blah. We got the check um, a week later and it was for $100,000. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think they would have done that if you hadn't had an in-depth conversation with them? Absolutely not. No. 
Absolutely not. No. Like, I, I think that we forget that everybody also just wants, like, a sense of belonging. And philanthropy is a vehicle through which people are looking for that. If we can give them that within our organization, they're much more likely to stay around long term and continue to give. Yeah, the, being a part of a community and feeling like that they're contributing at a higher level. I also am going to say, like, our sector, I mean, we've got some, we've had some bad apples. <laughs> and sometimes get a bad rap. I think it's, you know, I get defensive about it. Like, I don't think that we should be stereotyped that way as nonprofits. But people tend to remember those stories, right? Of mm -hmm. the nonprofits that were mismanaged and people stole funds oh, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I, I just think there's a, a trust that yeah. has to be built. And yes, that trust can come from 990s and the numbers and showing, you know, fiduciary responsibility and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's also if they meet somebody and they know, okay, look at what they've done with this organization. They've heard the vision for the future of it. Then that trust is built and they feel more comfortable making that type of investment. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Can we talk about the conversations we are not willing to have with donors? Ooh, tell me more. I was thinking about this over the last couple of weeks where I've had some clients who are either in areas that are like serving people really under fire right now, like prior to the midterms, uh, which holla was not a red wave. So many exciting things. But like leading up to that, where like my clients were really scared, yeah, scared about what was going to happen to their organization, to the people they serve. And one of them in particular, like they had some funding mishaps, not because of anything they did, just flukes. And I had said, like, have you talked to your donors about this? Like, do they know the reality of what will happen if this bill passes? Yeah. Uh -huh. And it's like they're they're scared to engage in those conversations or the conversations about donor centrism right. and how we're shifting fundraising practices. The other story I have is actually where it went really well, where a client of mine was meeting with a donor, talking about how they were going to be shifting some things around for an upcoming large campaign they were doing. And they're really nervous. Like we we prepped in advance. We role played it because they were so scared about having this conversation with the donor. And the donor was so excited to hear about community centric fundraising, to hear how their funds were going to be used along with all these other people's. Mm -hmm. And like when we told them, yeah, we're not doing naming rights, they were like, good. I don't want to be on another plaque. That's awesome. Like, I want to be with the people. I want to, I just want to be part of my community. And it went so well. Hopefully it validated for my client. Like, yes, keep having those conversations. Yeah. Keep talking about how things are shifting. But it's really scary. It's really scary. And a lot of fundraisers just aren't having the conversation at all. Well, let's just tie this in to our last episode about succession planning or lack thereof and having interims and having this turnover and the impact that it has on organizations. And I think that's also a conversation that organizations need to have pretty candidly and transparently with their donors of, yeah, sure, every situation is different. So maybe there's certain aspects of it you don't broadcast. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I think it's great when meeting with donors to be able to say like, yeah, we're, we've gone through some turnover this year or we've had this big 
you know, leadership change. And with that has come some bumps in the road, but X, Y, and Z, this is like where we're headed. And this is what we have coming in place and keeping that continuity of communication because yeah. otherwise donors are going to wonder what's going on and they're just going to make it up in their own head of like why you're not communicating. I also was just talking to a client about this. Like we put in their year end appeal, inflation is impacting the organization. Mm-hmm. But we did it in such like, again, a strengths way of like, we value our employees. We don't want them to have to suffer because they work for a nonprofit like this. And so we have already increased their salaries. Paying for basic foods like eggs is really expensive right now on our programs. And that's why we're asking you all to to dig a little deeper, to give a little more. Like it, it was really just such a well-crafted thing to say like things could be harder. Yeah, We're stepping up to do this the right way and we're hoping you'll join us. Yeah. Well, you know, because we talk about it on this podcast a lot. I mean, screw the overhead myth, screw the like not paying for salaries. I said this to a client the other day, like salaries makes up 80% of your budget. I forget what it was, Mm -hmm. but I mean, it was like extraordinary amount. Yeah. You should be able to tell your donors that that is your largest cost. Yeah. And there's no reason why you have to justify it. I mean, look at your programs. Look at what it takes to run your programs. You're a 24-7 operation. You need to have somebody on the clock all the time. So why would they not want to help pay for that? Mm -hmm. But nobody wants to have that conversation with a donor. No, it gets scary. I I think that's the, the real issue is just like fear. Yeah. What if we piss the donor off and they leave? Flip side of that, what if you say something really inspiring and they double their gift? Right. I mean, I feel like we've talked about this before of like the ways we lose a bit of our humanity in fundraising, mm-hmm. trying to please donors. Yep. So if we have the real conversations and we're honest with our donors and we piss a few off, but we bring a few closer and we maintain our own humanity, maybe it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I don't know. We're so hardworking as a sector. <laughs> we are. I just like have never, I guess, well, I've never worked anywhere other than nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck do I know about the for-profit? I know nothing. But I imagine that while there are probably hard workers, I don't know, nothing really compares to nonprofit staff. And it's like if people really knew all the hoops we were trying to jump through, Mm -hmm. I would like to think that they would be impressed and be like, oh my God. Yeah. I've been thinking about this too and like our role as consultants around some of these dynamics, um, especially with funders, like grantor funders, and been just playing around with like how we can step into our power in those spaces and have honest conversations. This is my bit of accountability Today is November 14. By the time this is released on December 5th, I am going to send the three draft emails that have been sitting in my (laughs) email to funders calling out some of their really awful practices. Oh, good for you. It was just like, okay, I've got multiple clients dealing with this now. Like I I can reach out, not on behalf of any of them, but just say, hey, here's what I'm hearing. Asking all of your grantees to drive down to South Denver to pick up a check of up to $3,000 
is ridiculous. Gross. That's gross. I'm sorry you had three checks returned to sender last year. Don't don't impose this bullshit on everybody because of that. That's horrible. Or another one who like wants to do a three day retreat next summer. I'm sorry your grantees don't want to go on a retreat, honey. No. They do not. No. So as consultants, I feel like we've got a, a role we can play with some of these power dynamics and having the honest conversations. And so this is my commitment. By December 5th, I will start some of those. All right. I love it. I'll report back. (laughs) So what are our takeaways? Talk to your donors. (laughs) Fucking call your donors. Just call them. Email them. Call them. Ask them. Just ask them to meet. Yeah. I I think everybody will be genuinely surprised at how fulfilling some of those relationships can be, but also how much easier your job is when you really understand your donors better. Right. And then they say like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't next week because uh, my daughter's getting married and I'm going to be gone. But I'd love to connect with you in like three weeks. And then that gives you something to put on your calendar in three weeks to say, hey, Mrs. Donor, how was your daughter's wedding? Oh, my gosh. I hope you had a great trip. Is now a good time to meet? And like, look, you've already like had a personal connection. Like that's how it starts. So talk to your donors. And talk to them about the scary stuff, like the reality of what it actually means to work in your space, to operate a nonprofit, to shift your fundraising practices. You might be pleasant. Well, hopefully you'll be pleasantly surprised. I know. We're just too glossy with it. Oh, it's great. Everything's going great. It's like it's not all fucking great at all. No, not even a little bit. Like it's really stressful. It's really fucking hard. And like, you don't need to lay down all your burdens on them, but like, just give them all like a Some high of them. Level. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Say, how much time do you have? <laughs> your donors like leave bawling. <laughs> Let's really got dig another in. another one. Let's really dig in. <laughs> uh, okay. And so that's the key takeaway. Very simple. Mm-hmm. I got something from you on LinkedIn today. That said, thank you for or congratulations on your work anniversary. It is the three-year anniversary since we recorded our very first episode, Brittany. I thought so. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe it's been three? Happy. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Can you believe it's been three years? This is our 99th full-length episode, Uh-oh. which means... 100th is right around the corner. Oh, my goodness. So for our Patreon subscribers, they're going to have an opportunity to come to a live recording of our 100th episode. If you are listening to this on November 5th, like, get on Patreon this minute. December Because it's happening this week. December 5th. What did I say? November. Yeah, December 5th. December 5th. (laughs) If you're listening to this on November 5th, then it's 2023. (laughs) And you missed it. You missed it a year ago. <laughs> yes. So jump on, become a member, and we'll let you know. If you miss this round, don't worry, because we're going to do more live tapings. Um, and so if you become a subscriber, then you'll get invited to those. And at the very least, you'll get to hear the great content, because we'll release it as an episode. Do you remember how scared we were to record? Yes. <laughs> do you remember 
how much alcohol we had on hand just in case. Yes, yes, yes. I, because of nerves, thought that I legit was going to throw up. (laughs) You almost did. (laughs) I think we had a bucket next to you just in case. (laughs) Oh, it's been such a fun journey. I'm so glad we relaunched. Thank you all for listening and giving us a reason to relaunch. Um, And we hope that you will join us for our 100th episode. And email us. Our inbox is like kind of sad. Tell us what's going on. Give us some feedback. Let us know we're fucked up or wrong about something. We love that too. You might get called out in an episode, but that's okay. Nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Nonprofit Reframe. Wishing you all the best Colorado Gives Day. We'll talk soon. Bye. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind-the-scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We would like to thank our sponsors. Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising coaching, training, and event production. Learn more at brittanywilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y Wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy and planning, and equity support. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thanks for listening.